far, alhamdulillah, he has graciously uh, taken out a few hours uh, to come to Masjid Salam out of his busy schedule to hold this two-day workshop. This will start from Friday, March 8, March 13, uh, after Salat al-Isha, and it will continue um, Saturday from Salat al-Dhuhr to Salat al-Asr. Many of you know Mufti Abar Mirza, not only is he uh, heading the Darul Ifta at Elgin, along with that he is the head of American Fiqh Academy, which they write um, different articles, different research papers. Not only that, he has a professional field in one of the um, corporate, um, corporate offices. So we should value that and we should appreciate that and um, we should, that would be possible by showing our attendance this Friday and Saturday. Uh, different questions and different, um, uh, different questions that we have regarding stocks, mutual funds, bonds, Islamic investment organizations like Amana funds, Wahid Invest, all these questions and topics he'll be discussing these two days. So we highly encourage all the brothers to register uh, in the lobby. We have laptops, kiosks set up outside. So please do sign up and spread the word, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan.
عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب الشحل صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني فهو قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا أما بعد We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has given us the tawfiq, the ability uh, to come perform Salat al-Isha with Jama'ah and to attend uh, a few uh, dars on the explanation of the verses of the Qur'an and uh, to sit for some time hoping that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up some of the meanings of these verses upon us and it just takes one proper moment you know, one sa'ah, one moment when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends hidayah for someone and everything becomes a, a, a turning point in a person's life. We don't know when that turning point will come. For all of us, our job is to keep on presenting ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hopes that one day Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant nur to our heart and it will be easy for us to practice on whatever we hear, whatever we say, whatever we study, whatever uh, we understand. And, and this is something that we continuously need to uh, remain steadfast and firm um, on this attending majalis of dhikr, majalis of ilm may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you and I from amongst those who have been blessed to be part of these gatherings regularly, ameen last week we covered the opening verses of Surat Muzammil and the possible reasons of revelation in the background for uh, the revelation of this surah we talked about, a little bit about Qiyamul um, Layl as well and the benefits of that and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions uh, the various benefits over here as well in as well as in other uh, places of the Quran and that's what we'll start off with today inshallah uh, one of the great tabi'i Thabit Bunani rahimahumullah amongst many others he would say ma shay'un ajiduhu fi qalbi aladhu indi min Qiyamul Layl there is nothing I find to be more rewarding and uh, more enjoyable than standing up at night in salah. And it was something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had literally given them the sweetness and the taste of this khalwa uh, uh, that it is mentioned regarding another scholar who, or in one of the awliya who said that uh, if the, the kings of our era were to know what we enjoy and how we enjoy Qiyamul Layl, they would have brought out the swords to fight us over that. <laughs> but they don't know what we're getting. They're thinking that their enjoyment is in, um, in their shahwat, and their ladhat, and their power and stuff. But the ladha and the enjoyment a person gets in salah is, is unbelievable. Qiyamul Layl especially. And this is one of the gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to this ummah. That He has given us uh, the time before Fajr, the time of Fajr, and the time after Fajr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna Quran al-Fajri kana mashhuda. The recitation of the Quran in Salat al-Fajr is one that is witnessed by the angels. Mashhuda being witnessed. So angels are always present. And we, they are present now as we speak. They are present in all the Salat. They are present in gatherings like these. But the Salat al-Fajr is something special. And you all know, you all feel it when you come for Salat al-Fajr, whether it's in the Haram whether it's in your local masjid, it's not the same compared to any other salah. There is something genuinely very, very special about it. So that morning, the time of the morning, the time before Salat al-Fajr, Fajr time and after that, 
is filled with barakah. Not only is it present, uh, are angels present in there, but also Nabi Alaihi said, Allah has put barakah for my ummah in the earlier portion of the day. So this is something that is very unique gift to this ummah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to achieve things in the early hours that we are not able to achieve throughout the rest of the day. Uh, that is why there are those people who are muwaffaq uh, from Allah, not only they, by 10, 11 o'clock, majority of their ibadah is done also, but majority of their risk is also taken care of early morning. And this is the Islamic way. It was early to bed and early to rise. Mawlana Masihul Akhan Rahmatullahi one of these uh, students of Mawlana Ashwari Thanwi Hakim al Ummah, the sage of the Ummah, is reported to have said that the one who, is, who does not learn how to sleep early will not learn how to wake up early. And the one who does not learn how to wake up early has not learned anything. Has not learned anything. And the one who does not learn how to sleep early will not ever learn how to wake up early. And the one who does not know how to wake up early hasn't learned anything. So this is who we are. This is the ummah that we wake up early. And we wake up before Fajr. And we use that time for connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you see at home, just think right now before you came here, how many things were cluttered around your, in your mind, on your desk, on your table, how, you know, your husband, the wife, the kids, sister, brother, parents, one saying this, one saying that. MashaAllah, Allah gave you the ability to come out of all that and come attend here. But there's a lot of noise, as we say, going on in our homes. When you wake up early morning before Salat al-Fajr, absolute silence. The perfect time for us to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we have that background noise, as we say, then it's very difficult for us to remain focused and connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why we're, we, we keep on talking about the Qiyamul Layl in the last portion of the night. Qiyamul Layl, we said last week, can be done anytime. Even at the very last case scenario, pray it before you go to sleep, right? That's what we said before we ended our session last week. Pray two rakat salah before you go to bed. Start off with that. Pray two rakat salah before you leave the masjid. Pray two rakat salah after you witter or before you witter. And, and, you know, and make attempt to wake up in the early morning, you know. And then one of the hadith I talked about was a person who said, who, Muhammad ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah, when someone asked him, I try everything to wake up, but I'm not able to wake up. And what did he say? You don't remember? Hmm? Yeah, the sins, right? He says, your sins, you're not giving up your sins. Those sins are shackles. Those sins are the shackles that do not allow you to wake up in the morning. Right? So even though you've got the alarm clock on, you've got all that stuff, but those are the things that don't allow. If a person, uh, if he wants to wake up, first and foremost, don't say, I'm going to wake up and make tawbah. Right now, make tawbah. Pray to the Qad Salat to tawbah and say, Ya Allah, whatever. Literally, this is a very important point. When we make dua to Allah, you say, Ya Allah, I repent to you from every such sin which is depriving me from tahajjud. I repent to you from every such sin which is depriving me from fajr in the masjid. Have we ever made tawbah like this? Don't just make general tawbah because this is the price that we're paying for. Allah is punishing us by depriving us from Qiyamul Layl. Allah is punishing us by depriving us with Salat al-Fajr. Right? So we make tawbah specific. Ya Allah, those sins because of which I'm being deprived of your munajat, of being ability to sit with you and, and speak with you. This is uh, something that we need to uh, uh, all the time repent. So if a person can, ideally is... Last portion of the night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the first heaven in a manner that befits him and he asks a question. Is there anyone who's asking anything that I may give him? Is there anyone who is 
supplicating to me that I may accept his supplication? Is there anyone who's seeking forgiveness from me so that I may forgive him? This is the call. Allah is asking. Allah is asking us, who's got a need? It's so, in, it's so sad how shaitan has played me and has played all of us. What, whether it is the coronavirus or any other issue. People are using every single uh, a means, sensible and non-sensible means, to protect themselves from issues like this. But the one and the most powerful thing is turning towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Notice whenever we give advice to people regarding this virus, it's always interesting. We all, you see all the emails, the text messages, the bayans, the khutbas, the khatiras, announcements, they're always prefaced with. Of course, we have to turn to Allah, that's obvious. But, okay, let's see, the one who's announcing, including myself, how much have we turned to Allah before we made this announcement? Before we gave this khutbah, before we wrote this email, how many rakats of salat al-hajjah did we pray? How many fasting did we do? How much sadaqah did we give to protect ourselves from this virus? Before we say, oh, everyone's doing that. It's obviously common knowledge. Now let's talk about washing hands and not showing up to the masjid. See, so this is shaitan's deception for all of us. You'll see people, people slowly start, uh, you know, reducing their attendance to the masajid and to programs. And the shaitan is telling them, this is a safety measure. And uh, of course, tawakkul, we have to do tawakkul. Where's your tawakkul? Before we talk about, we already have tawakkul. Where is my tawakkul? Where's your tawakkul? Before we say, it's obviously we have to pray to rakat salat. But before you finish that announcement, ask, let me ask you, you ask me, how many rakat salat hajjah did you pray? Before we, before we make the statement that of course we all make in dua. Of course, no we're not. If we are making dua, if we're making salat hajjah, things would be different. Things would be different. Not just in this scenario, all other scenarios. So this is something that shaitan has deceived me and deceived all of us to think that you know, we'll get to the salah eventually. We'll get to the qiyamul layl eventually. Let's start using our means first. Whatever situation we are going in, the solution most definitely is in qiyamul layl. Whatever solution, you know, my teachers always remind me of this. Sometimes when I speak to them over the phone, and it, sometimes they will speak to me for 20 minutes on just this one aspect, qiyamul layl. That whatever you do, remember that no sabab is as strong as qiyamul layl. No sabab, no means to gain Allah's help and mercy for your situation is stronger than Qiyamul Layl. That is the thing that needs to come into our lives. That we, shaitan will t- make us waste a, a hundred minutes on something else. But five minutes of Qiyamul Layl will, or two rakat salatul hajjah is something that will deprive, deprive of us. Depri- he tries to deprive us. So ideally, even more, more beautiful than the third portion is another, is another concept of Qiyamul Layl called Salah Bainan Nomain. Salah Bainan Nomain. Prayer between two sleep, two sleeps. Nomain, two sleeps. What is that? A person goes to sleep after Isha and then wakes up at 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m. Prays Salah, salah Tahajjud and then goes back to sleep. And then wakes up for Salatul Fajr. Not Salatul Ishraq. <laughs> wakes up for salat al-fajr and then prays fajr so what happened he's performing his tahajjud salah he sandwiched it between two sleep is that easy? it's the hardest it's the hardest so a person uh, and hence your reward is based on your effort the more, stra- the more strenuous the more difficult the ibadat is the more rewarding it is some of us may have a habit of waking up to use the restroom we have to be go perfect time don't go back to bed after the bathroom for example if we can if you have the ability Right? That a person does the wudu, performs the salakah, and then goes to sleep. But that is the highest. If we can't get there, then we can at least start do the before the fajr. If we can't get there, then we do it right after we right before we go to sleep. And Allah forbid we can't do that. Then at the very least, man Allah subhafi jama'ah. Whoever performs salat al-fajr in jama'ah, fakannama qam al kullahu. It's as though he has performed the tahajjud salah the entire night. This is the 
the gifts of being part of this ummah. You get these type of amazing bonuses. You get these type of amazing bonuses. You know when you're part of this elite group of like membership in some sort of company or some sort of airline or some sort of store, they, you know, member only discounts and member only bonuses. Well, being a member of the Ummah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah Azza wa gives us some really member only specials. And you can see this is one of those specials. How, how simple, how easy, why Allah? But Allah said it so. You perform Salat al-Fajr with Jama'ah, you're gonna get the reward of standing up the entire night. Think about that. That's not very hard, we can do it. We really can. All of us make this intention that we perform Salat al-Fajr with Jama'ah, say inshaAllah. Alright? And we will make a habit of getting at least another couple people. If you want to stay strong, you get other, motivate other people. Tomorrow, let us make intention that whatever your local masjid is, you will perform Salat al-Fajr with Jama'ah. If you say it's 10 minutes away, 10 minutes going, 10 minutes go, coming back, 20 minutes. And 10 minutes of Salat al-Fajr itself, you have to pray anyway. Okay, let's not count that. 20 minutes of traveling is equivalent to what? The entire night of Qiyamulayl. Our nights, the winter nights and the summer nights both, you know. So winter nights just ending. Uh, 8 hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, whatever. Where's 20 minutes? Where's 12 hours? Where's 20 minutes? Where's 8 hours? So it's still worth it. Totally worth it. That a, perform, a person invests 20 minutes in his Salat al-Fajr with Jama'ah and you'll get the reward of standing up the entire night. So this is something that we'll see that we will, be, we will be surrounded by angels as well at that time. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the gist of what we, what we hear in this ayah, <clears throat> in these ayat, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, recite Quran with a measured recitation, and then He speaks about the, we shall most surely cast upon you a weighty word. We talked about that, that this is the Quran, that the Quran is weighty, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, we're going to give you this Quran, and you need to be prepared for it. But how do you prepare for it? In the nashiat al-layl. And indeed, rising by night for prayers makes for a stronger impression on the soul. Wa and is best for recitation of Allah's words. So this is one explanation which is very clearly over here mentioned. Ashad watan it has a, a it, the mark that you the mark that it leaves the stamp. It gets deeper when you when you wake up for tahajjud. The effect of that on your heart is stronger than two rakat that you pray during the day. Okay, the effect, the ruhaniyah, the spirituality that you pray two rakat after salat al-duhr, sunnah, or nawafil, nafil. Think about the, how, what you get out of that. As appear, as compared to two rakat in the night, you might have not even read more than what you just read during the day, but it will leave a stronger impression on the soul. You'll get more for your, you know, for, for your effort. Wa muqila, and it's it is best for reciting. The best time to recite Allah's word is in tahajjud. Dear brothers, we've heard from our teachers and our scholars that the best way to increase nur in the heart, the best way to increase nur in the heart, and nur from that heart will translate and transfer to where to? To the face. This is the nur of the face. That even the darkest of complexion you may have. But the nur, like Bilal Habshi radiallahu anhu, and the likes of them in this ummah today, no matter who they are, but the nur of tahajjud will make them enlighten their face and brighten their face more than the one who's put on a face mask and all the other types of you know uh, uh, what you call all the other types of cosmetic things this is something really important nur how do we increase the nur in our heart and mention that when a person at the hajjud time opens up the, after performing the hajjud opens up the mushaf opens up the Quran and looks in the Quran and reads when your eyes are looking into the mushaf and you're holding the mushaf, yani the copy of the Qur'an, and you're reading the time before Salat al-Fajr, this is the best and most powerful and the quickest way to have nur come into our heart. And from the nur that comes into our heart, it's spread to the entire body. 
I was listening to uh, a scholar speaking about Mufti Shafi, the father of Mufti Taqi, the chief, the Grand Mufti of Pakistan, right? Rahimahullah, Mufti Shafi. And he was saying that Mufti Shafi Saab, he was such that, that he would, his clothing was very old. I mean, used clothing, I mean, stuff he would wear. But he said, how old? He said his clothing, some of his, the kurta he would wear, kameez, would be 15 to 20 years old. 15 to 20 years old. I think about that. 20 years, 15 to 20 years, he's wearing that same kameez. But he said literally the shine that that kurta would have, you could never get from any laundromat. He said white, he would wear white. He said even after 20 years, that kurta of his would shine so much and, and would sparkle so much that no laundry would be able to give you, present you such a nice pair of white clothes. And what he was explaining, it was literally the inside that was coming outside. The interior, the hal, the hal, the condition of the heart was being reflected through Allah's will, not only through the clothing, but of course, then you can imagine if this was the condition of the clothing, what would be the condition of the face? If you said, I never seen anyone whose face was more radiant and his clothes would be more beautiful, more attention grabbing than Mufti Shafi's clothes, although they are 15 to 20 years old. SubhanAllah. What do we hear? What do we understand from that? That the nur and the, the, the beauty of our clothing and our face does not come through the means that you and I think. It comes through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gifts it based on our taqwa, who gifts it based on our, on our effort. And hence you and I have seen, many hopefully have seen, if not, let's ask Allah that we see such people, who, who, who when you look at them, you freeze. You're attracted to their face. And you say, what is in this individual, subhanAllah, that is, 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 is not normal beauty? There's nur in that face that attracts a person so much that a person is willing to listen to whatever they say. Before they even speak, a person wants to follow them, emulate them. So this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, that when the qiyamul layl leaves a more powerful impression on your heart and your soul, and it's the best time for reciting Qur'an. That's one explanation. Another explanation is, in the nashiyat al-layl, the rising up at night is ashaddu wata'an. Wata'a is to trample. Wata'a to trample. That this is the strongest thing to trample our nafs, our desires, our shahawat, our lusts. If a person has fallen into lust, and there are all forms of it, what is the best way to curb that? Through Qiyamul Because the nafs does not want to wake up at night. The nafs does not want to stay or take wudu with water, cold water, while everyone is asleep and go in a corner without anyone pray, knowing and pray in a corner there. Nafs doesn't want that. So you have to whip the nafs basically. May Allah give you and I the tawfiq to do this. This is what it is. It's, it's all about the game is putting the nafs like, you know, taming a horse, a wild horse. Have you seen a wild horse? When they, need to, when they need to break into it and domesticate a horse, not easy. But once it gets domesticated, now you can ride that horse to the other end of the country, right? In a week's time. And it will serve you. But without that, you will not be able to sit on it for even a moment. That's what the nafs is. When we, when we, a few times I went horse riding in Africa. I remember we'd go with our friends and they would ask us, do you want a fast horse, do you want a slow horse, do you want a medium horse, advanced, intermediate, or beginner? And some of my friends I saw that they would take, for example, an advanced horse, but they were themselves not as advanced as the horse was. And it would not be a matter of more than a couple minutes where the horse would throw them off. Right? There's no way. These people were strong, but nope. This, this horse knows. As soon as you sit on it, it knows who's sitting on it. Right? This is reality. The horse knows the, the experience of the horse rider. And it would, I've seen with my own eyes, a horse bringing a rider under a branch. 
so that the branch would hit him and off he goes. And I saw it happening, right? So they, they know exactly how to do that because they don't want you. Why, should, why would anyone want someone else sitting on their back, right? Think about that. Well, the horse is the nafs. Another thing I would notice is that if when you, when you would take the horse and you'd pay, you know, 50 rand, $10 just over an hour, and you would walk out of the state, you'd take the, you'd get out of the stables and go through a narrow, narrow like, um, not very narrow, but still narrow compared to what's coming, pathway to a massive, then acres upon acres of field that the, the, the farmer owned. If a person got through that narrow passageway and into the open field, then mashallah, you'll have an enjoyable one hour. Bas, maza, it was very fun. And then you come back at the end of the hour. And if you actually, sometimes we wouldn't want to show up, or we wouldn't come back, we're just enjoying yourself. Then the, uh, the, uh, one of the workers and the laborers of the farmer would come on his horse, say, hey, time's up, come back. But many times we'd see that the horse would try to uh, dismount the rider by these techniques. Like bring, going under a branch, or you know, just being too rough, etc. And, and if the rider was not able to handle it, you know, he'd fall off. Or in other instances, the horse would turn around or turn around, his best to turn around and go back to the stables. And this is a really important point. If the horse in the alleyway or in the, in the pathway, before he gets to the big open field, were to somehow manage to turn around without the rider controlling it, that's it. It's over. You have to go get a new horse. You will never be able to stop it. I've seen this as well. Right? Once it's coming back, it's too late now. It, it, it's fallen on that slippery slope and now your nafs, this is the example I'm giving of nafs, that there's certain limitations, there's certain places, thresholds. If you, if you let your nafs go beyond that threshold, unless Allah wills, you're not turning back. You get what I'm saying? So that horse, if it passes that threshold and goes, starts going towards the stables, it doesn't want you to ride it. So it's pretty much almost impossible for you to, you have to go get another one. So this is the example of the nafs. That if we want the nafs to be under control, you have to keep a really tight reins on it. And then you have to have alarm signals that, okay, what am I doing? How much is my nafs getting the better of me? If it has gone to a level where there is no limitation, you can't stop. Like we say binging. Whether it's binge watching, binge drinking, binge fulan, fulan, all the other stuff is binging. Yeah, I mean, then it's, it's very hard to get out of this, uh, uh, you know, mode. And only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can help a person at that time. Hence Allah says in the Quran, أَفَرَأَيْتَ مَنِ اتَّخَذَ إِلَهَهُ Have you seen the one who has taken his desires as his God? What do you do with God? God says, you jump and you say, how high, right? God says, run, you say, خَلَاصْ سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا God says, sacrifice your life, you're ready. God says, sacrifice your wealth, you're ready. You don't look, because it's coming from God. Had it been anyone else, you would have said, no way. Why would I give my life for you? Why would I give my wealth to you? All of it. Why would I do any of that stuff? But since it's the order of God, it's the order of the Almighty, you're not supposed to ask questions. Well, that's what happens. Certain people begin to obey their desires and their lower selves and their passions and their lust, that it takes the role of a God. That just like a person blindly follows a God, a person blindly follows his lust and desires. And he has no idea where has he ended up. And my dear brothers and sisters, if we don't keep this in check and listen to what I'm saying, and I don't listen to what I'm saying myself, then nothing will stop a person. A person will become a grandfather. A person will become a grandmother. A person will become a sheikh, a mufti, an imam. A person will have a white beard. A person will become a respectable person in society. But if these habits are not taken care of somewhere earlier on in life, then Allah forbid these habits will not very hard to get out of it. And we see that. We see a person, respectable person in society, 
respectable person in society, respectable as kids, respectable to his wife, respectable to his parents, respectable to his community, respectable to his colleagues. And then you end up seeing some, you find out about a, 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 a sin or some other thing that the person is involved in. You say, how did this happen? How? Well, that's what happened because it went unchecked earlier on and the person was not aware of these things. And it's too late. Like these sensors when these airlines, airplanes you hear about nowadays, in the airplanes there's sensors that, that the bells ring that when, a, when they go start going too fast, when they start going too, too, downhill too fast, downward spiral, right? And if, you, and they will tell you how many feet you're off the sea, you know, ground and the sea. If a person, you know, starts stalling and you're not looking and the pilot for some reason is not able to focus and not listening or not, it wasn't, it was not able to detect that, once it hurts at a certain level and starts nose diving, is it hard? Is it easy to get back up? Very likely, it'll go and crash. So we need to make sure we don't nose dive in our life. Make sure we don't nose dive in our life. Make sure our sons and daughters don't nose dive in, in their lives. Make sure our spouses don't nose dive in their life. You have to put a stop to it. And one of the best ways to stop, my dear friends, you're going to say, "Where do I start from?" People always say, "You know, Shaitan, Shaitan, Khabif, He comes and says, "Lain." He comes and tells you that there's no hope for you. This is another thing. Many times, I've, you probably heard me saying this because this is the biggest, one of the biggest issues we're facing with, is that shaitan makes us do all sorts of things and then he says, it's too late. When did we hear? When did we see? You heard the story of um, the, uh, the, the, the monk, right? The story of the monk and who had, uh, uh, who was misled by shaitan when he was given the responsibility of taking care of a sister of the three mujahideen in the Bani Israel. You know what I'm talking about, right? And where he's, he was taking responsibility of her while the three brothers went out for in jihad, where he ended up at the very end, not only uh, fathering a child, but then killing the child and killing the lady and then uh, burying her. And eventually the news getting out to the brothers when they came back and they said, that's it, we're going to kill you. How dare you did this? And he was a monk. And so they put him on to, 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 to kill him and they, on the hang him and Iblis showed up. And he said, listen, you're dead, you're caught. You're caught. You want to get out of this mess? While you are on the noose, simply bow your head to me like this and I'll get you out of this mess. What is he going to do? That's what he did. He bowed his head to, to Iblis at that time. Had he made repentance to Allah, even at that time Allah would have forgiven him. But he bowed his head to Iblis and that was it. And Iblis with thin air vanished. Khalas, the man died on shirk. The man died as a worshipper of shaitan after committing every major sin. Starting off from being a respectable monk. Right? So when a person does not keep his nafs, his or her nafs in check and thinks I am too pure and too clean, you will fall, I will fall, any one of us can fall. So the be one of the things that Iblis does is to create despondency. This is what I'm saying. Despondency. Yes. If he, this please will cause despondency. People have shared with me their visions, their dreams after committing sins. You know, hallucinations. When you're on all these drugs, this, that, all sorts of horrible stuff happens. And one of the things they've told me is that they've seen the devil. They've seen someone like, like Iblis, the most despicable, most disgusting thing you can imagine, most intimidating. And I said, what, what's happening? And he says, all he does is laughing at me. Laughing, laughing with this chilling, scary laugh to say, I'm never going to allow you to get out of this mess. You will always be like this for the rest of your life. Allahu Akbar. And that's how he seals the deal. That's, how, that's a nail in the coffin. Even at that time, if a person says, you know what? That's you. You're the one who's never going to get out of the mess. Because Allah mentioned in that Quran that you're cursed. But not me. I have hope in Allah. Allah will get me out of this mess. 
That's the only way to break the back of shaitan. Shaitan himself knows he's going forever in hell and misery loves company who mistake others. So if you ever hit rock bottom, don't ever let Iblis lie to you and say that, you know what, there is no hope for you. Because there, that's, the, the, you know, that's something which he fell for. And he thinks, I mean, whatever, you know, that there's no hope for him. When the, if he had he turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he would have found amazing hope. But he chose not to do so. So he wants to get everyone down that same alley. So please, share this with others. Because there are many people going through difficulty in their lives. Many people who are going through hard times. And we need to ensure that we give them the right message. That no matter where we have gone, how far the nafs has gone with us, we can always turn back. So Qiyamul Layl Ashad Wata. This is the strongest in squashing the nafs. Number two, Waqwa Muqila. And it's the best. And then the second tafsir of this, which is not in the translation here, aqwa muqila, it will assist you in speaking the most powerful words. If you want, if you want your words to have effect, qiyamul layl will do so. So meaning, imagine a mother who says, my kids don't listen to me. I don't know why my children are not listening to me. Imagine a father who says, my wife does not understand where I'm coming from. Imagine a husband who says, or father who says, my daughters and my sons don't listen to what I'm saying. Well, guess what? How about we add some more horsepower to that speech? Through Qiyamul Layl. That's why they say there are some, they are individuals whose speech upon a thousand people is more effective, is more effective than a thousand people's speech upon one person. There are certain individuals, one person's speech is more effective in changing the lives of a thousand people than a thousand people's speech on one individual. Because this one person, he has a charged battery. What is that? The Qiyamul Layl is a time for recharging ourselves. And then when we talk to people, we are charging others. If we are not charged ourselves, we will never be able to charge others. So if we want to have an effect within society, this is the best way to do it. And starting off at our own home. If we want our, our speech, men, how many of us are crying that our kids don't listen to us? Our daughters don't listen to us. Our sons don't listen to us. Our spouses don't listen to us. You know what? Stop crying about that in front of them. This is a message to all of us. How about we start crying in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we become obedient to the master, most definitely the hearts of all of these people who are supposed to be listening to us and are not listening to us in his hands, he will turn them in a moment. He can turn their attention towards us. Some of the tabi'een, they would say when they would come home and they would see their children or their spouse uh, disobedient to them and not listening to them all of a sudden. Then they would at that time immediately look at their own life to see what, what aspect of mustahabbat and sunan did I leave out today. Which sunnah did I leave out today? Which mustahab did I leave out today? Because of which I'm having to pay the price in the, in the form of my family, my children, not responding to me. And it didn't stop like there. To the extent that if the horse or the, the conveyance were to start acting up with them, being a little bit stubborn, they would immediately, instead of cursing out the horse or the camel, they would look at them and say, what did I do wrong today? How many of us do that? How many of us introspect to say, why are people not listening to me? Why are people being disrespectful to me? Maybe it's I have disrespected Allah. And of course we have. Of course we have. So if we start respecting Allah and repenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we'll see that our words will have effect in it. So this ayah is not only for du'at and people who are working amongst the masses, but it is as well for all of us. That if we want our words to have effect, turn towards Qiyamul Layl. Inna laka subhan tawila. Indeed, during the day you shall have lengthy occupations. Allahu Akbar. During the day, we're supposed to be subhan. What do we say subhan means? Swimming. You're swimming to the masses. So there's something to do. There's a wadifa at night, and there's a wadifa by day. It's two separate things.
There's a statement of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. He says, Inna Allah Azza wa Jal, Inna Lillahi Azza wa Jal, Haqqan alayka fil layli la yaqbuluhu fil nahar. Indeed, Allah has a right upon you that He demands you fulfill it by day and He will not accept it if you fulfill it at night. Wa haqqan fil nahari la yaqbaluhu fil layl. And a, a, full, a right in the day, He won't accept it in the night. A right in the night, He won't accept it in the day. So there are different things that we have to be doing by day and by night. And we cannot use the excuse of one to, uh, to get ourselves out of the other. So during the day, we have to make effort <clears throat> amongst the people and, and to bring a change amongst the people. And then during the night, we have to turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us in? There's so many ayats, with so much we can speak about it. May Allah, I speak with most in need myself. May Allah allow me to practice what we're saying and allow all of us to practice what we're saying, inshaAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in, in, sur- in, in where? Uh, in Surah Duha, فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْصَابُ When you finish up your work by day, and when you finish up giving da'wah, now don't go to sleep. فَانْصَابُ What does فَانْصَابُ mean? Tire yourself. Ya Allah, I've been tired the whole day. What Nabi Sallallahu is doing all day? He's not resting and sleeping. He's working. He's working amongst, amongst the masses all day, all night, having to bear their insolent behavior. He's working so hard, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the real effort, the real tiring hasn't begun yet. فَإِذَا فَرَقْتَ When you finish, فَانْصَبْ Then you tire yourself. When you finish by doing what people, what you need to do amongst the people, tire yourself at night. And then show your desire towards Allah. Mawlana Abu Hassan Ali al-Nadwi rahmatullahi alayhi. He writes in regarding Mawlana Ilyas rahmatullahi a powerful book that we should all read. Mawlana Abu Hassan Ali al-Nadwi regarding Mawlana Ilyas, his life, his mission, what? Uh, and his works, right? Life, mission, and his works. It's found in English. Great work, great, great, great book. And this effort of da'wah and tabligh and the, uh, the reviver of it, Mawlana Ilyas, he writes about him. So if I remember correctly, he says, Mawlana Abdul Hassan Nadwi, we know, is one of the most famous ulama of the past century, known in the Arab world, in the Indo Pak world. And he says, one day I was traveling with Mawlana Ilyas, him and most likely his friend Mawlana Mandur Namani as well, Rahimahullah. And he said, we went, we traveled from a very far distance. Ghaliban, if I remember, in Mewat. And they arrived, you know, in Haryana state, away from an hour, two hours, three, maybe by walk, by camel, or by horse, or by, by donkey cart, or by walking, whatever. Hours we traveled from Delhi, you know, out in towards Mewat. Eventually we arrived at that location, wherever the tashkil was, wherever there was an ishtima, whatnot. And Shaykh Mullah al-Hassan Nadi was young, much, much younger than Mullah al-Hassan He passed away right now in 99. Right? Mullah al-Hassan passed away in the 40s. So he's much, 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 much younger. He's a young kid in front of him. He says, when we arrived after walking through such a long distance and you know, difficult terrain, when we arrived at the masjid at night, he said, me and all of us, we just you know, fell to the ground. And we just couldn't do anything. We just fell asleep. He said, somehow a little bit later at night, uh, you know, I, I opened up, someone managed to look. And even before, he says, I, I'm there, I'm looking, I'm, I, I, have, I have no sense, out knock. Out, knocked out, I see that Mawlana is not putting his bister to sleep. Instead, he is making preparations for his tahajjud. As soon as we arrived, and he said, throughout the night, that old man is standing up in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said, that's the day, you know, that moment was like a, a moment of, for me to understand that what's, what's this all about. This can't be wrong. This can't be useless. A man that Allah has accepted this level of sacrifice, to make this level of sacrifice, to make this level, this is exactly what the Prophet would have done. That you, you, you think you're tired? Well, just wait. I want you to get more tired at night. 
that is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That when people say, people have people sympathize with you, and the people they, they feel bad that oh man you're working so hard at night. Well, they're not even looking at. They have no idea what you're doing at night. They're looking at what you're doing by day, and they're 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 saying things about that. If you if you and I want to know where where we stand, it's how much are we tiring ourselves at night, where no one knows about. There's no tweets about that. There's no pictures about that, right? There's no flyers about that. But that effort at night is what's going to bring us change. And dear friends, this is not for any specific tabaqah, one group of people. This is for all of us. All of us to have fikr of the ummah is for all of us. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a mufti. You don't have to be a qari. You don't have to be a hafiz. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, Propagate even one ayah from me. Whatever you know. And this is what the ummah needs right now. The ummah needs people who cry. The ummah needs people who cry at night. May Allah make us amongst those people. This is the elite army. The elite army. The success that we're going to see. The ummah in the future times as we move forward is by what? By people who cry. That's where success Success is not going to come through oil. Success is not going to come through arms. We have enough of all those things. No success. It's just failure, failure, failure. Hypocrisy, backs, being backstabbed, and the biggest hypocrites are from amongst us. Right? The reality, the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come through qiyamul layl. So he says, Allah says, in Since you have a lengthy occupation, you need to wake up at night. Isn't this interesting, the logic? Most people think, I have a long day tomorrow, so let me go to sleep and not pray any salah. And Allah is saying, since you have a long day, and since you have to make a lot of effort, I need you to wake up at night. Because the strength that you will get during the day will come through the night. I look at uh, uh, when we do Shabina, or we do four or five night, uh, seven night Tarawih Salah over here. I get tired. People behind me are getting tired. But sometimes I look behind me, mashallah, 70, 80 year old uncles. And there, mashallah, before we're still standing up, they're already waiting. Chalo, bye. Right, let's get started. We see people in their 90s, until today, in their 90s, not one salah are they sitting on their chair and praying. And how? They're not praying fard. No, they're praying fard. Nawafil, tahajjud, every single thing. Their daily salah is more than our qiyamul layl in, in, in Ramadan. Where does that come from? Where do you say they're, 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 they're 60, 75 I remember Shaqari Amir al-Hassan My, uh, you know Elder in, uh, in, in India When I went to go visit him Spend time with him I mean, I really think He must have been 65 to 70 pounds He was, you know So skinny So frail So weak Right? And he was almost 90 years old But you would never see him Even accidentally sitting down Right? It was so, just standing up Hours long And there's Qiyam They will not move It's like a post a post. How do they get the ability to do that? Based on muscle strength, doesn't look like it. Based on the you know strength of their bones, doesn't look like it. Where are all the brothers who are spending you know hours in the gym? Let's ask them to do something like that, right? This is called quwa that that comes from where? Allah, ruhani spirit, ruhaniyat spirituality, and so that's where you're gonna get at night. If we want to have a productive day tomorrow, on any day, on any given day, it comes through qiyamul layl. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, So remember the name of your Lord. So remember the name of your Lord. What does that mean to take the name of your Lord? Bismillah. Saying Bismillah. Thus shall you devote yourself with sincere devotion to Him alone. So, I mean, I guess I was planning to, planning to travel for Umrah. So I was planning to finish this in three weeks. But my Umrah plans are canceled. Obviously. So I think... The three-week plan is also not going to work, and especially now that Isha Salah has been delayed to 
So I mean, I'm just letting you know right now. We're not going to finish in three weeks. It'll take a little bit longer so that I can and not have to be rushed in what I'm doing. Because this is one ayah I want to dedicate a whole session to. Right? He says, remember, take the name of your Lord. Say Bismillah. What will happen with Bismillah? As soon as we say Bismillah, number one, we will re- remember that this comes from, this is coming from who? For example, I have a, a, a nice, beautiful box of chocolates. Really nice, good piece of chocolate. You leave, you leave it for me. I don't even know who left it. I'm eating it away, enjoying it. On the other way, I don't even have a way to thank you. On the other hand, you leave your name on it. Now I look at it, I say, Ya Allah, may Allah reward so and so. May Allah bless so and so for their nice thought. Not that I want chocolates, I'm just giving you an example. Okay? So uh, now you're, dua, you're making dua for that person because his name is right there. That's it. When you do not take the name of Allah, you forget where this gift is coming from. So you don't feel like remembering him. Sorry? But when you say Allah's name, you're reminded that this gift came to me from Allah. So as you're enjoying that sweet, that chocolate, that car, that scenery, whatever you did, you are saying Bismillah and it allows you to thank and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it allows you to dedicate that action for Him. That's the second thing. It allows you to be thankful to Him. It allows you to dedicate that action to Him. What does that mean? So now that we're drinking water or eating or wearing clothes or going to work, we're able to dedicate, Ya Allah, I'm doing this only for you. If you start doing that, pretty much no action of yours will be non-ibadah. Every single action of ours will become ibadah. And how do we make it ibadah? By saying, Bismillah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, tabtila." Okay, so this dhikr is going to take place with two things. Dhikr al-lisan ma hudur al-qalb. Remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with our heart being present. So merely using our tongue to take Allah's name without us being focused on it is not sufficient. If a person is watching TV, watching a video with a, with a, with a tasbih in his hand, that's not really the best dhikr, you know? Because the heart is not there. Some people have a habit. Tasbih becomes a cultural thing I've seen. You know, for certain people, they keep it on their finger and they're moving on, doing whatever they want. So this is not how it's supposed to be. Tasbih has got to be with the moving of the tongue, but the heart's got to be moving with it. So what will help us reach that level where the heart is connected with the vicar? How? What does that mean? Cut yourself off every day for a portion of your schedule with Allah. Seclusion. Time out with Allah. Time out with Allah. Could be in your car. Could be as soon as you leave for Isha, from Maghrib for Isha, and you just sit. I find these times, you know, after Fajr, after Isha, nice. Right? That's what Quran be kidding. When you finish with everything, I want you to come and tire yourself. You need, oh, I have to run to this appointment, that appointment. Everyone's sleeping. It's 10 p.m. Everyone's sleeping. You got no other appointments now. Now you sit down with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or early morning as well, before Fajr, ideally. So tabattul is inqita'. Inqita', when you cut yourself off. We know Fatima Batul, right? Why was she called Batul? Because she was cut off in terms that she was in a, a level of her own from the rest, and she is in a level of her own from the rest of all women. She's cut off from the rest. And she's been known as Sayyidatu Nisai Ahlul Jannah, the leader of all the women of paradise. Okay? So she's separated from the rest. Maryam alayhi salam, Maryam radiallahu anha, similarly, she was uh, uh, separated from the rest in doing her ibadah. So this is what tabattul means. When a person spends one-on-one time, what we call khalwa, or khalwa with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we need this now more than ever. Because we are surrounded by things that continuously distract us. 
and we're not able to focus on any one thing. So in order for the khalwa to be successful, the biggest thing is we need to be away from our phone. We need to be away from our phone, so the dhikr and the tilawat should not be done on the phone. We're wasting our time. Uh, you know, even if you put an, at least if you are traveling and you don't have a musaf with you, then at least put an airplane mode. Put an airplane mode, focus mode. You know, they have all these things. If not, ideally, our hazrat, our elders say, this phone, you use it to look at all different things. Sometimes a person looks at things, you know, random stuff that shows up, a video, movie, whatnot happens on the thing. Why we should read the musaf on there? This should be last resort. We should not ideally do that. Ideally, we should be holding on to a musaf and doing it. So, tabattul is gotta be away from people and away from the phone. Ibn Qayyim rahmatullah he says, tabattul brings two things together. He says, yajma'u bayna amrain, ittisal wa infisal. What is ittisal? Connection. Infisal, separation. La yasahu illa bihima. It cannot, tabattul cannot be achieved without both of them. Meaning, you first have to disconnect yourself from everyone, and then you connect yourself with Allah. It is not possible for us to connect with Allah unless we disconnect with everyone. So mashallah, some people have a habit of leaving their phones in the, in the cars when they come. May Allah give me tawfiq to do that. Right? And all of us tawfiq to do that. that we say, okay, this, I'm going to disconnect it. At the very least, put an airplane mode when you come in. So we've disconnected. Time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's another great way of disconnecting? Per coming early and performing the sunnah salah. Whether sunnah mu'akkada or ghair mu'akkada. It's, it's prep mode. Prep mode. Even if you're not fully focused in your sunnah, by the time you get to your fault, inshallah you'll be focused. So you have to give some, uh, uh, you know, what you call buffer time. You know, between whatever you're doing and your fard salah. So that when you get into fard, you're able to focus. So once you do infisal, then you're able to do ittisal. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam mentioned towards the end of times when chaos will, be, will reign over the world in the fasad is zaman. The Prophet said, Yakunu khayru maril muslimi ghanaman. The best, most uh, noteworthy and the most uh, auspicious, or the best type of wealth that a Muslim can have will be ghanam, will be livestock, will be sheep and goats. Okay, what do you do with that? Yatba'u biha shagaf al jibal. He, that person will take his livestock and walk and travel with his livestock at the top of the mountains and the places where the rain falls. Why, what is he doing up there? And why is this regarded as the most, the best type of wealth you can have? Not your yacht, not your helicopter, not your, your, your beautiful luxurious home, but المسلم, the best wealth you can have is ghanam, is sheep and goats that you take to the tops of the mountain peaks. Why? He will be running away with his deen from the trials that are on the ground. Right? He's taking shelter. This is the absolute tabattul which must take place towards the end of times. So meaning if you feel in your university, in your college, and in your workplace that you cannot mingle with the people and stay straight. You cannot mingle with the people because you get carried away. Then you need to go into tabattul mode 24-7. You need to basically cut yourself off from the rest. Because if we don't know how to stick with people and talk to people without getting carried away, you know what I mean? If someone says that you know, we have an office party, office meeting at, the, at, uh, you know, at a place where drinks are served too. And a person does not know how to stick out, sit on another table or, you know, or cut him, stay, stay, say simply that I'm not, I don't want that, then don't go to such places, for example. Ideally, we should never go to a place where wine is being served in the first place. Uh, anywhere, but if it's not being served on your table, it's being served on somewhere else, on another table, we can find some leeway for that. But let's say if a person is in this so weak that when he goes to such places, he falls for it. Then, hence he should, not, he should do tabattal, separate himself away from that. So this, this time will come 
when in order for a person to attain tab- to protect his deen, he'll have to go to the top of mountains. I'm going to end at this ayah. The, uh, there are four ways to attain, or four uh, steps to attain tabattul, four steps. The fourth, first step is, We have to stop our nafs from enjoying praise. The, soul, the self cannot enjoy praise. Hence, you don't want to be praised, and the pre- presence of praise or the absence of the praise makes no difference. Someone praises you, you still do it. Someone doesn't praise you, you still do it. It makes no difference on who you are. Second step is Is that you cut yourself off you, That you cut the, the, the nafs From the desire of fame And from people seeing you First was praise Second one was From people seeing you Third is that Cut yourself off from The desire for leadership whether in the deen or in the dunya If it comes to you Without you asking for it Okay But let us not desire for it Instead just say imama. That you are allowed to make Because that's mentioned in the Quran Make me the imam of muttaqeen What does the imam mean? You have the most taqwa Make that dua But we do not desire and The third type of tabattul Is I don't want any type of leadership Number four The fourth type of tabattul And the fourth step the fourth is that you cut off the desire for becoming someone in society where you hold position and power and that people begin to obey you and that you're able to subdue the people and that you're able to rule the people. Who, you know, that you're a person who's obeyed when you call, you call the shots. To take that out from a, from a person right? So this is what we're speaking about uh, That if we go through these four, play, four different steps Then we will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us ittisal We will be connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala When we disconnect ourselves from the praises of the people We'll become worthy of the praise of Allah When we disconnect ourselves with the desire of people seeing us Allah will start looking at us When we disconnect ourselves with people listening to us and obeying us Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will listen to our prayers Simple as that so we do it in fisal, cut ourselves off, then we do ittisal and connect ourselves with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inshallah, we will end with this ayah. We'll continue from verse number 9. Rabbul Mashaq wal Maghrib. Next week, much has been said. Most importantly, may Allah grant you and I the ability to uh, remain firm and practice on what has been said. May Allah grant you and I the ability to have istiqam and qiyamul layl. And may Allah grant you the ability to always have hope in Him Regardless of what sins we have done May Allah allow us to become free of the shackles of our nafs May Allah allow us to rule and subdue our nafs And not allow our nafs to rule over us May Allah Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be gifted With reciting the Quran in the dark hours of the night Early portions of the morning May Allah make us wrongs those who time ourselves such And schedule ourselves such that we sleep early And we get up early And may Allah allow us to use our early mornings in the most positive manners. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to turn to Him in, in good times and bad times. And any difficulty that we're going through, may Allah grant us the yaqeen that only He has the solution to our problems and the problems of the ummah. Subhanallah wa hamdihi, subhanakallah wa hamdihi, inshallah ilaha ilaha nashtaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. I want to remind the, all of you who are listening online that this weekend is a very special session, Friday night and Saturday. If you are listening from overseas or out of town or whatever else, you can still listen and you can register for the program. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. First time Darul Salam is holding a program like this on Islamic investments from a fiqhi perspective. Half of the questions I get, more than half of the questions I get are about this. 
And I say, I'm not the expert in finance. I always say that. I say, you speak to Mufti Ibrar, speak to so-and-so. So that expert who I always refer you all to, alhamdulillah, is going to be spending the weekend here, Friday night and Saturday after Dhuhr. If you have not already registered, please go to our website and register so we can make proper arrangements. Uh, and, and spread the message. Spread the message to others. It will be live streamed for people who are not able to make it on Saturday after Dhuhr or Friday night as well. Jazakumullah khairan.